Good morning, Crosswalk. How y'all doing? I trust that you're doing well. I hope, I pray that you're doing well. And if you're not, I guess I, I pray and I hope that you'll run the mend. And if not, um, I believe that you will. At some point, you will. And so I take great joy. I take great confidence in that. Uh, and so my prayer, I guess, for you this morning is that wherever you are, uh, that you may remain hopeful that there is an end to some of the muck that you're in right now. All right. I'm going to do something a little weird that I don't usually do. I'm going to ask you to stand up as I read the text for today. <clears throat> my dad used to do this when he used to be a pastor, and I thought, you know what, let me try it. But I, I, I am particularly, uh, this is one of my favorite passages from Paul, and so it's extra special for me, so thank you for, for standing with me. I am reading from Romans chapter 10, verse 8 to 15. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 to 15. The word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God did in fact raise him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe. It is your heart that you're justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. We're all the same. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on God. Verse 13, everyone who calls to God for help will get help. How then can they call on the one they have not trusted in or believed in or heard of? And how can they trust in the one whom they have not heard about? And how can they hear without someone speaking to them? How can anyone speak unless they are told to unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Pray with me. Lord, we come to you as we are this morning. We come in a hope that we will hear something that will connect us to what is true, to what is good, to what is kind, to what is gentle, to what is pure. And so my prayer is, whatever words come out of my mouth, may those words help connect us to you connect myself to you, connect the rest of us, this beautiful community here with you. 
and with each other in some way or other. And if not, may marriage just merely inspire us to seek you more in our lives. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I think you'd agree with me uh, when I say that words are sometimes magical. Not all the time, but words are sometimes magical. Agreed? I was seven when I first heard the story of Rosie and the singing duck. I won't ask if you know the story, because this is it's my great-grandmother told me that story. I doubt that you guys have heard about it, but maybe you've heard sort of like similar stories to it. Rosie and the singing duck. And I'm telling you my age, because I want you to be clear that I was old enough at seven to know that the story wasn't true. And in fact, I did know when I heard the story that the story wasn't true, but I just want to make that clear. I want you to have doubts about <laughs> about your pastor here, I knew it wasn't true, all right? But the story goes like this, and this is my great-grandmother that told me and my sister this one night, right? She said, Rosie one day was walking back to her house, having picked up some wood to make the fire, right? This is back in the days, my great-grandmother was a, was a kid back then, right? So she's like, Rosie's walking down with her wood when she sees this old lady who's coming back from the watering hole with two big buckets of water, but she's struggling. Just old, bent lady, just like barely, you know, like she's walking two steps and having to put it down. And Rosie, being the nice and sweet person that she is, being the kind person but she is, immediately rushes to the, to the lady and says, hey, auntie, auntie, can I help you carry your buckets of water? And the lady looks up to her and says, oh, wow, that's very kind of you, but you know, I live really far. And Rosie's like, it's okay, it's okay, I'll help you. And so the story says that Rosie takes her, her, her you know, the wood that she collected and she hides it behind some banana trees. We're, we're out in the exotics, you guys, yeah, just follow, keep, <laughs> keep track, right? So she's hiding her wood because, you know, she's worked all this time for it. She doesn't want to waste it. But then she goes and she picks up the buckets and she's walking and she's helping. And the story says that it is indeed really far. But eventually they get there, both of them are tired, they get there, but the old lady is so moved, is so overwhelmed by Rosie's kindness that she says, hey, before you go, I have something for you. And Rosie's like, no, 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 I don't want anything. I just wanted to help. She's like, no, 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 I got something for you. And my great-grandmother says that the old lady goes into her house and opens her pantry or the cupboard and pulls out a duck, a live duck, right? And she hands it to Rosie, and Rosie is like overwhelmed with joy. And this is what my great-grandmother says, hey, well, you know, you guys, you know, you, you, you grew up having all the food and the meat and stuff. Well, back in the days, like, meat was a very rare thing. And so Rosie hadn't had any, any sort of meat or anything for, for a long time, and so she was super excited. She's like thinking, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook this duck, and I'm going to invite all my friends, and they, we're going to have, like, this big feast, because, dude, like, I have a whole duck. And so she goes home, gets a basket, puts the duck in, you know, sort of stitches the basket closed with just the head of the duck up. I don't know if you've seen those, you know. Just keep it alive. You don't want to, you know, until Sunday, you don't want to, you know, so you keep it alive. And she goes to bed. In the middle of the night, around midnight, Rosie's awoken by the sound of a beautiful singing voice. She's startled. She's like, where is this song coming from? She comes in her house. Is someone in my house? She realizes that it's coming from 
the kitchen. So she goes in the kitchen, and lo and behold, the duck is singing the most beautiful song she's ever heard. It's just such a beautiful voice. And, 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 and more so, the, the, the duck is glowing, glittery, like beautiful, colorful feathers. And it's just like, oh, this moment. And, and, and Rose is like, what's happening? And she's like, it's just caught up in this moment. And out of nowhere, the song stops, and she sees that the duck has laid a golden egg. Sunday roast turned out to be the lottery. She's overwhelmed. She gets the egg. She hides, she hides it. She's like, dude, I can do all sorts of things with this. The story says for three nights in a row, she wakes up at night because she hears this beautiful song, and she gets an egg and then another egg. Until Sunday morning, super smart duck. Sunday morning, she wakes up, and she realizes that she had, you know, she slept through the whole night. And so she runs to the kitchen, and the duck has disappeared. She's a little bit sad, my grandma said, because that was a companion. <laughs> but she's also happy because now she, can, she has stuff, like she has uh, gold eggs that she can sell, and she can have this thing. And the story says she had a huge party for the whole village, and they had all sort of meat and all sort of food. And my grandma's like, I, I know this is true because I was there. Like me and my friends was, were little and we hid under the table and we could hear Rosie tell the story about the singing duck. It's a true story. And so my great-grandmother said to us, well, you know what that means? Whenever you're out there, keep an eye open. You might see the duck. Hey, whenever you're out there, keep your ears open so you might, just in case you might hear the duck and maybe you'll get the golden egg. But she said, but most importantly, Make sure you help each other. Whenever you see an opportunity to help, do it, because you never know what kind of reward you're going to get. We listened to Sarah. We're excited. Oops. Can you take that next time, please? Thank you. Interns. <laughs> and so my grandma sends us off to bed. And so my, you know, my sister and I go, and my sister's walking through, and she's like, Euro, do you think grandma is telling, great-grandmother is telling the truth? I'm like, no, of course she's not. Ducks don't sing, and if they didn't, and if, even if they did, they don't, they don't lay golden eggs. It's just a story she's telling us so we can help her. <laughs> and so my sister, my sister, and my sister's like, yeah, I knew that, I knew that. So she goes to bed. Seven, I knew it wasn't true. That night, first night, I'm struggling to fall asleep. Like, I know it's not true, but my ears are just like, hmm, is that, did I hear a song? No, that's just a mosquito. Like, I'm struggling to sleep, like, in the middle of the night, I wake up, and I'm just, like, looking, and, like, uh, I open the window, not open the window, the curtains, and I'm looking, I'm like, oh, maybe, all right. I knew it wasn't true, but somehow my gra grandmother's words worked their little thing, and the unbeliever became caught up in the magic of the singing duck and the hope of a golden egg, because words sometimes are magical. We know that to be true. You know that to be true. Nudge your neighbor and say yes. Did anything happen? Three-letter word. Yes. Nothing. It's just a word. Right? Affirmative noun. Affirmative reply. But imagine you're 19. You're deeply in love, in love with this goddess of a woman. It's midnight, you're on the phone to her and you're whispering because you don't want your parents to know that you're the one that's been running up the phone bill. 
and you're whispering, but you also want to tell that person that you want to go out with them and you want to ask her out, and you're just like, ah, ah, your, your throat is as tight as a snare, your mouth is sticky, like, you want to say it, and you, you eventually muster the courage to say it, and you're like, hey, would you go out with me? And she says, yes. Can you imagine what that does to you? Complete affirmation of your personhood. The promise of care, the promise of tenderness, an affirmation that there is something of value in you, a reciprocity of love even, or the very likeness. It's not just a three-letter word. Right now you're in a different realm, right? She said yes at midnight when she was supposed to be asleep. And it's just all you, right? It's, you're in a different realm. You're flying now because words can sometimes be magical. And you and I know this. That's why we tend to be careful about our words. As per my previous email, <laughs> who's done that before? Because we know what words can do. That's why sometimes an email can take us a whole afternoon to write, a whole half a day to write. A text, a letter can take us a month to write. When we care about something, when you care about someone and you have to write them a card, you don't know what to say. Well, you know what to say, but you don't want to just say it. You're thinking through it because you know the kind of gravity that words can carry in our lives. Words can put you back together. Words can soothe your soul. Words can expand the horizons of what you thought was possible and what wasn't. But words can also sometimes hurt, destroy, break. And so we know that. And so we're super careful. What do we do with our words? We, we, we don't just say things here and there. We're thoughtful about it. To the point that sometimes when things are really, really important, you know what we do? We stay quiet. Have you been there? A moment, and you know the gravity of the situation, and you know that there are things that you can say, but you're so reticent, you're reluctant to say it because you do not want to say the wrong thing. You do not want to be misunderstood. You do not want to waste your words and ruin the moment, and so you stay quiet. Are you with me? Is it just me? No, it happens. Because we know that just as much as word can, can, can be enchanting, they can also have the opposite effect. And so when we are faced with the gravity of a situation, when we are called to speak, we take a step back, we're overwhelmed, and more time than others, we actually don't speak the words that we ought to speak. But here is where the rubber meets the road. Meets the, yeah, whatever. You know the term, right? I'm still learning words. Like, <laughs> particularly because words have the potential for magic, and it's particularly for, because of this reason that words have to be spoken. Because if words truly have the potential to change things, truly the potential to inspire people, truly have the potential to mend what is broken, 
truly have the potential to uplift people, the absence of the, those words rob our world of those beautiful things. Are you with me? If words can really transform our world, the lack of words leaves our world the way it is right now. What is a relationship without the words, I love you? Can you tell me? Chocolates, flowers are not enough. Cooking and cleaning, cleaning isn't enough. Providing for my family and putting bread on the table is not enough. At some point, you've got to stand up and say the words. I love you. Son, I love you. Daddy, I love you. Darling, I love you. Because you take those free words away from a relationship, you just have two people wasting each other's time. The kind of community that God calls us to be in relationships are dependent on us having the courage, mustering the strength to say those words no matter how uncomfortable they are. That's why they make you stand when you get married. They make you stand and say things like, for better or for worse. And you've got to say it. You can't just be... Do you take someone saying... You, no, you've got to say it. I do. Because otherwise, you might as well pack up and go home. It's difficult. It's nerve-wracking. But we are called to speak the words to each other. Because otherwise, we miss out on so much, so much magic. I was at the park, Glenwood Park. It's near Lens Park, for those of you who live in that site. And I was walking my dog when I witnessed this beautiful human drama just in front of me. It was the most amazing thing. I was walking my dog, Kafka. You know, we were going around the park, and I see a family of three, the mom and the two kids. <laughs> I'm already laughing. <laughs> like, the younger sister, I remember the name of the brother. His name was David, because I wrote it once I got home. I wrote it in my notebook. The little sister asked David to push her around the merry-go-round. All right, the carousel. You know, is it merry-go-round here? Yeah, that's the word, okay. <laughs> We get each other. So she's, she's like, but before she goes up, she's like holding it, she goes, and then she's like, but David, don't push me fast, okay? David's like, sure. And then she's like, pinky promise? And that's when I knew. If you have to pinky promise your brother about something, you're done. <laughs> David's like, yeah, sure, pinky promise. She goes up, he starts pushing slowly, and then it starts just like this, some spirit just, he just catches this, evil spirit, and it's like, whoa, and the girl's like, ah, screaming. The mom's out there talking to some other parents, so she doesn't see what's happening, but I'm seeing it, and instead of helping me and my dog, are like, ooh, what's going to happen now? And whoop, she falls off the merry-go-round on the floor, boom, and you can see David's face kind of change because she knows now he's, he's in, he knows now he's in trouble, right? And so the girl gets up, and she's running straight to the mom, mommy, mommy, and she's like trying to say it, and the mom's like, what happened? She's like, oh, David, oh, pinky promise, blah, 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 and then the mom's like, David, come here. So David comes his head down. It's like, David, did you promise your sister you weren't going to push her uh, really fast? I'm like, yeah. And did you push her really fast? Yeah. Do you think that's a good idea? No. 
Are you sorry? Yeah. Okay, tell your sister you're sorry. Nothing. And so the mom goes again, David, do you think you did the right thing? No. Are you sorry? Yes. Or tell your sister you're sorry. Nothing. And the mom's like, this is the last time, David. Tell your sister you're sorry. Nothing. And the mom's like, that's it. Grabs both of them. No more playtime. We're going back indoors. And off they go. It is not enough to feel it. It is not enough to think it. You have to say the words of a wise. There's no more playtime, you guys. We're going back indoors. Do you understand what we're missing out here? Magic. And no one is more aware of this than Paul when he's writing to the church, to the Roman church. I'll read it to you guys. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Everyone who calls to God for help will get help. But how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone telling them? Many of us are here today. I'd say even all of us are here today. And we come here every week because at some point in our lives, here or somewhere else, we have been lucky enough to have experienced something special, something visceral, dare I say something magical, something that have marked us in a way that have made us decide to commit to a life of faith. Something's happened. You had that moment, and he's done something to you, and you're like, you know what, this is what I do now. I commit some of my time, my resources. I seek something. I pursue it. There's all sort of language for it. Some people say you're pursuing God. Some people say God is pursuing you. But what they're talking about is something that within us that we've experienced that has made things different and we've chosen a type of lifestyle. We come here. We connect with people. We read our Bibles. We do this kind of stuff. Of course, sometimes it's, it's, it's routine, and of course, some of it is it's the faith of other people, but there is something that brings us here that is the hope of something that brings us here. And I am willing to bet, I won't bet my paycheck, but I'm willing to bet that most of us here actually do want other people to also experience that which we have experienced also. It's not just for us. Whatever it is as a parent that you experience here, you bring your kids here and you, you make them sit on that chair because what? You want them to also catch some of this thing that you've caught. And it's the same with the people that we love, the people that, that we live with, our neighbors. We, we, we wish that there was a way that we can communicate to them that, hey, like, there is something special about this thing that we call Christianity, this thing that we call faith, this thing that we call religion. But guys, if you don't say it, They'll miss out on it. You'll miss out on that moment. And I'm not saying that Christianity is for everyone, that everyone needs to know about this. I'm just saying that there are people out there that could do with what you have experienced here, that could do with, with what you've experienced in your faith. And unless you tell them about it, they will never know. Because there's no magic if the words don't come out. You don't seek out singing ducks if you never heard the story. 
Are you with me? I'm going to take a pastoral tone for a minute. Is that okay? Can I be a pastor for a couple of minutes? You know, one of the problems, part of the challenge, let's not say problems, part of the challenge of the modern Christian practice is that a lot of us, for a lot of us, it is structured towards listening, reading, and singing other people's words. Beautiful words. Don't get me wrong. Those words are much needed. That Bible that you have, it's much needed. The hymn books is much needed. The books that you read about people's faith experiences, they're much needed. But I want to advance that it's not enough. At some point, you've got to put the Bible down. At some point, you've got to put the hymnal, the devotion down, and you have to articulate your own faith. You've got to find the words for your own experience. But that's part of the challenge. Because if every time you come here, you're singing songs that someone else wrote who lived a different experience, there might be some overlap and it might be great for you, but what about your song? What would it look like for you to sing a song about what God has done in your life? If somehow they say to you, hey, we're expanding the Bible, we want to put some stories in there, what would be your story that we'll put in those pages that will edify the life of so many people who read it? We spend so much of our time listening, borrowing language that makes sense to us, but maybe it doesn't make sense to other people because it's not really our words and it's definitely not theirs. And so the call, perhaps, is to start articulating Hey, Mac, ooh, powerful, this one. Can I give you some homework? I know some of you kids are on, uh, you know, on break right now. <laughs> but here's a, here's a challenge. Here's a challenge for our community. Seek spaces where you can hear other people's stories and where can, you can share your stories. Seek that. You cannot develop your language outside of the community. All right? Listen to how people are talking about their experiences. It might inspire you. But also be there so you can speak in a way that might inspire someone else. And maybe you already have that in your, in, in, where you are. You already have that, and that's, that's good for you. But if you haven't, our church tries to have moments and places where we invite people to come in and share those stories together. Develop this language that's personal and unique to you by being around people who are also trying to do the same thing. It's a great exercise. So for example, today we're having food with friends. It's not just a, you know, for you to eat, taste act. You can do that at home. No, we're giving people an opportunity to share stories, to listen, learn to listen, you guys. Listen to other people's stories and see what it is that God is telling you about their story for your own story that you may develop your own message. The reason why people don't don't care for the Christian message today isn't because they don't care for Christianity, it's because well, some of the language is really just for us. You know? And so here comes homework number two. Whether you're able to make it or not today, whether you're able to join our discussion group every Saturday, when you get home, 
today, after you've had your lunch, get a piece of paper, get your phone out, and write out why you're a Christian, why you come to this church, and find your own words, all right? Don't use the love word words. That's our words. Find your own words. And if you come across words in your little writing, like Christ-centered, service-oriented, whatever other words that we use, circle those, underline those, and then break those down and see what do I actually mean by that. All right? Because maybe at first I came for the coffee and I came at 12 o'clock because, you know, I wanted to wake up late and I had coffee and stuff and I came here and I enjoyed the music. But then I started coming because I realized there are people that also struggle with the same thing that I struggle. There are people here that also find the stuff that I find joyful, joyful. Now we're talking. At first I came because my parents made me come, but after that I understood that there was something that connected me with the story of Jesus Christ in the gospel. I didn't care much for Paul, I didn't care much for the Old Testament, but it was something about Jesus that I wanted to explore a little bit more and it connected with me and it did something to my life. And maybe right now I can't articulate what it does, but I'm working. I'm working on that. Do that work. It's a good exercise. And then make sure you share that with someone. Not anyone, not anywhere. But the Spirit will tell you, the moment it will happen, the moment where you are called to speak and make a difference, and you know because you know your story, you've written it out, you've embodied it, and it's going to sound exactly like what God is doing in your life in a way that can connect with someone else. Otherwise, it's platitude, and there's never magic in platitude. Pray with me. Lord, we are thankful for an opportunity to practice sharing the beautiful thing that you've done in our lives. We're thankful that we have the Spirit to lead us towards those who need to hear your story, our story. And so we pray for wisdom. We pray for the right word, the words that express our true realities. And so send us where you need to send us. Give us the courage and strength to speak when we need to speak. And may our words be loving, clear, and honest. This is our prayer. Amen.